The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, welcome to the Disability Law Show. John Scholes here along with disability lawyers and founding co-founding partners Savannah Tumarkin and Albert Klein, a partner in the firm as well. Sam Firu, Tumarkin LLP. That is where you have landed the most positively reviewed disability law firm in Canada. Look, if uh, if you're if you're dealing with your long-term disability insurer, you've been cut off, you got questions about disability claims, insurance companies, how to get compensation, your rights are being ignored. It is a wide array of topics we cover each week on the show, and you have an opportunity to listen over the next 49 minutes or so and learn a lot and contribute as well. Here's how you, uh, here's how you, uh, you reach the guys anytime. Toll-free, of course, one 855 The website, disabilityrights.ca, and the email, which we're going to get to in just a little bit, is help at disabilityrights.ca. Couldn't be simpler. So, Savan, Albert, guys, let's get rolling. Let's get chopping. All right, John, another exciting week here. Let me start off by um, telling people out there that, uh, you know, we answer questions from listeners, from people who watch our show, our TV show, who could go to our website, anyone really that has any questions about long-term disability, whether it's on their own behalf, on behalf of family members who are struggling with their disabilities and the insurance companies that they're dealing with, or colleagues and friends. We help people out. We, we answer questions. It's all free. And what we've, we've started doing at the firm also is creating these uh, very short FAQ memos about certain topics, certain types of questions that we keep getting over and over from people across the three provinces where we have our operations and we have lawyers and we practice, Ontario, British Columbia, and Alberta. And some of these memos, for example, deal with appeals. Should you appeal a long-term disability denial? Uh, why should you not appeal? Uh, in what in what situations you know you should take other actions? What to expect, etc. Questions about CPP disability and the interaction of that and long-term disability, and what to do when the insurance company presses you and pressures you to apply for CPP disability. Dealing with difficult adjusters, people have questions about that all the time. Uh, doctor's reports, you know, what should I ask my doctor to write or how should my doctor write the letter in support of my long-term disability claim? Independent medical assessments or examinations, you know, when the insurance company wants to send you to one of their own doctors or assessors, what should you expect? How, sh- how should you prepare for that, etc.? Of course, the interplay between employment law and LTD, that is something that comes up all the time. Remember, people who are having issues with their employment, oftentimes those issues arise because of certain disabilities that they have. And many times they have issues with their insurance companies, their long-term disability insurers, and their employers. Uh, And so they need to know how to navigate that. And of course, you know, return to work. What if you're in long-term disability and your insurance company tells you you have to try to get back to work? Otherwise, we're going to cut off your benefits. You know, and other issues like surveillance, insurance companies conducting surveillance on you. Uh, you know, what are the limits of what they can do, etc. So all of these kinds of issues and many, many more, uh, we are now creating these um, uh, memorandums, the, these, you know, Q&A type of memos, and we're going to be posting them onto our website. In the meantime, you can contact me, contact Albert, contact anyone at the firm, whether it's by email or phone number, and uh, we'll send those to you if, if you want them, but we're going to be posting them on our website and again, John, we're doing this because we want people to have the information that they need to deal with their insurance companies. 
you know, most people think that when they're applying for long-term disability, uh, you know, they expect to get a friend on the other side. They expect to get somebody who's going to listen to them, who's going to be sympathetic to them, uh, somebody who's going to say, okay, don't worry, you take care of yourself and, you know, we will cover you. We will pay uh, whatever the benefits are. And oftentimes that's not the case. People get declined for a whole host of reasons, many of which are unjustifiable. And that's what we do. We help people get the money that they are owed from their long-term disability insurers uh, when the insurance company turns them down over and over and over. So this is this is fantastic. And I'm telling you, people have been very, very receptive to these memos. And of course, it doesn't mean we won't talk to you about your specific case, but you'll also have another way of getting this information. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, that is the way. And uh, help at disabilityrights.ca. I want to mention this as well, and I know Savannah, you refer to it all the time. MyDisabilityQuestions.com. There you go. It is a free and anonymous website. As you know, you can ask your disability law questions to uh, Savannah or Albert, member of the team. No problem. There's a searchable database. We keep talking about this and the fact that you can search your question. One similar. Save some time, right? If it's already been asked, just read the answer and uh, and walk away. If not, leave it there, and it will be answered. But uh, uh, but continue on, guys. Don't want to don't want to hold you up. Continue on. Well, John, I, I noticed an interesting article. Again, it's just one of a series of articles in the newspapers recently this past week in the Toronto Star, uh, and I think it's applicable throughout the country and, frankly, probably throughout the whole world. Uh, but this one specifically deals with Toronto, and the headline is: City Mental Health Line saw spike in calls mm-hmm. from men mm-hmm. during pandemic's first wave, and it goes on to say that a mental health phone line serving the GTA saw a 70% spike in daily calls for help from men after the onset of the pandemic, according to a new report from the Wellesley Institute. And then they go on and explain and talk about that. And you know, that's something that, of course, over the last year and a half, we've been seeing more and more individuals, whether it's men or women, uh, you know, anyone really contacting us because they're having difficulties with their insurance companies. And those difficulties arise from disabilities related to COVID. Some of those disabilities have to do with the psychological impact of COVID, of the lockdowns, of everything that surrounds you know that. That's it's taken a huge mental toll on Canadians, uh, and insurance companies again are refusing to pay many of these claims. And in many instances, in fact, in the vast majority of cases where people contact us because they've been denied long-term disability, when we actually look at the medical documentation provided. When we look at the insurance uh, policy, at the deny letter, we conclude that the insurance company was simply wrong in denying these claims. And that's what people need to understand, John. When the insurance company tells you, we're not going to pay you, that is not the end of the line. That's not the end of the exercise. Don't bother with the appeal process that they throw your way, because when you appeal those denials, all you're doing is re-asking the exact same people who denied you in the first place to simply reconsider their position. Chances are they will not uh, approve you. And again, I'm saying this uh, anecdotally because this is what we see time and time again. Of course, we have people who are suffering from long-haul COVID, right? They're having symptoms, physical, physiological symptoms. They're wearing them down, impacting their mental health, impacting their brains, physically their bodies. And again, insurance companies are denying many of those claims. We're seeing this every single day. Albert can talk about that. He He's spoken to many people who are in that situation. So, you know, I'm not surprised we're getting these articles. And by the way, even with the vaccines now, even with the fact that we're in the summer season, 
and you know people are feeling generally i think better we have less lockdown in some provinces it's we're almost at you know normal uh pre-covid uh you know types of of lack of restrictions I don't know that that's going to stay necessarily over the next few months. Perhaps, uh, you know, in the fall, we may have some more restrictions. Hopefully not, but we may. My point is, this is not over. And the impact of COVID on people out there, physically and psychologically, is not over. And it's about time that insurance companies came to the table and paid under the policies for which they collected premiums for years from both employers and individuals. And somebody has to hold them to account. And that's the message here for the listeners, for anyone out there who knows anyone who is in need of help, of any answers, of support against a an insurance company that refuses to pay a legitimate long-term disability claim, we are here for you and we can help. Albert, what say you, brother? I, I, I agree. We see these things all the time. Uh, and I think COVID's been a very, very difficult time for many people and uh, the insurance companies should have stepped up to the plate and should have helped and unfortunately no surprise they didn't Uh, but definitely we can help give us a call anytime and that's what we're here for 1-855-821-5900 is the way to reach out help at disabilityrights.ca all right so man we got a a couple minutes to go here before we got to take a first break where are you going to take us well, John, one of the ladies at the firm, she's a licensed paralegal, and she helped me answer uh, many questions that come my way on long-term disability claims. Uh, just asked me last week, I thought it was a good question, uh, she, she was speaking with someone who has been apparently, uh, I don't know if, if it's too harsh to say that, but he feels at least he's been verbally abused by the adjuster, the long-term disability adjuster that he has. Uh, and this adjuster is refusing to put anything in writing. This adjuster is insisting on having these phone calls. Uh, this adjuster is insisting on only communicating by phone. And of course, you know, as many people, and I think I've told you this before, John, and people know this, people who've been through this process, it is extremely nerve-wracking to deal with an adjuster, with a case manager, even if they're very nice, because there is that sense of a power imbalance, you versus the insurance company. Uh, and, and so, in some instances, and this is what Rebecca here, uh, the paralegal that works with us, asked me, is there an obligation for the insurance company to put communications in writing after being asked by the claimant, by the insured person? Uh, interesting question, because I, and maybe Albert can chime in here, I don't recall any provision in a long-term disability policy or, or frankly, even in statute and legislation and law where it says that an insurance company must, when they communicate with you over a claim, must put things in writing. I think that there are certain things that are accepted to be in writing. For example, if they're denying your claim or approving your claim, I think they need to put those things in writing when they're advising you that they've denied your claim, but here are your options for appeal or for starting a legal claim. I think that they have to put those in writing, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about day-to-day communications with the individual especially when a claimant feels you know that they're being harassed or being bullied uh you know that there is that verbal attacks that that you know are incoming towards them each and every day i don't think that the insurance company is obligated to put anything in writing but but this is a two-way street and this is something that we keep saying over and over i think that what you should do and by the way you should do this in any event if you're dealing with an adjuster and it doesn't matter if it's a long-term disability adjuster or an adjuster because you have a house insurance claim or an automobile insurance claim like a car accident claim 
whenever you speak with an adjuster, get the adjuster's email address. With a long-term disability adjuster, they usually give that to you or it's on their letterhead when they first initially communicate with you. And make sure that contemporaneous to the conversation, so the same day that you spoke with the adjuster, you put uh, in writing, you communicate to the adjuster in a very factual way, no adjectives, what was said. You said this, I said this. You don't care at this point whether the adjuster responds back or not. What you care about is that you've put this in writing and now there is a record that we can go back to. And if the adjuster never responded to you, that's fine. Then at least we have your version of events. By the way, in emails, I believe that there is an option where you can click uh, confirm receipt. So, and again, the adjuster may not press that, but the point is you can send that along. So always, always confirm your communications with the adjuster in writing. You want there to be you know, no ambiguity about what was said. You know, if a year down the road, for whatever reason, you need our help to, to, to deal with your insurance company, or even six months down the road or a month down the road, we can look back and we can see what was said during those conversations based on your records. So this is very, very powerful, and I do absolutely suggest and recommend that you do that. Now, what do you do with an adjuster that is very abrasive towards you, that attacks you? In terms of day-to-day communication, if you feel, in fact, that that is something that you're experiencing and it's elevating your blood pressure and you know creating stress for you, I don't think it's inappropriate for you to say, this is what you're doing to the adjuster. From now on, I will only communicate by writing. And if the insurance company, if the adjuster takes the position that that's somehow in breach of your policy, that you can't do that, again, in writing, tell them to show you where in the policy it mandates you speaking with them by phone. Because again, I haven't seen a provision that says that you as a claimant must speak to them by phone. I'm not talking about like a phone interview initially when you talk to them about your symptoms, etc. I'm talking about day-to-day communications. So again, if you have any questions about this, about your specific situation, that I haven't covered this uh, uh, here, feel free to reach out to me, to Albert, to anyone on, on our team, and we'll help you in your specific situation. You want to contact Savannah, co-founding partner, or our partner, Albert Klein, anytime. You can do so as we get to a quick break here, one 821 5900 and help at disabilityrights.ca. Lots more to go here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. All right, welcome back. Disability Law Show. Good to have you along to contact Savannah Tamark and co-founding partner Sam Firu Tamarkin LLP, as you know, or Albert Klein, our partner as well. Uh, call them. Have a conversation. Take your time. Have a chat. 1-855-821-5900. It's really simple to do so. Help at disabilityrights.ca. You can also go to the website disabilityrights.ca among the uh, things you will learn on the website contact uh, information as well there's also a, a menu of past and present tv shows that you can catch as well of course name the disability law show on television as well get the advice you need while you're there give the guys a call and the compensation you deserve from the firm that has successfully helped tens i mean tens of thousands of canadians uh get results from coast to coast to coast so have a look at that uh, whenever you got a bit of time all right savannah take it away let's get back into it well, John, let's go to a question that was posted by Tracy from Cambridge on mm-hmm. MyDisabilityQuestions.com, and here's what she writes, and I'm going to ask Albert to comment on this. She says, if I'm on LTD permanently, can my LTD insurance company cut me off if I move to another country? Their website says that I can only be out of the country for up to six months, but I don't really know what that means. 
What do you think, Albert? Hi, Tracy. Well, firstly, thanks for emailing in. Uh, and generally speaking, I mean, I don't care what their website says, right? We don't want to know what generally their policy is. We want to know what your policy says. Uh, and I, I, use the, I use the word policy uh, both times, but uh, policy is your policy is the contract between you and the insurance company. And that's really the only thing that matters. So you should ask where in your specific long-term disability policy it says that you, you have to remain in the country for six months. I have seen that provision many, many times, so it may, it may very well be the case that it is in your policy, but it's not in every single policy. And if it doesn't say that in the policy, or your adjuster cannot point to a specific provision which mandates that you remain in the country, it doesn't matter if you're in the country or not. Uh, so ask, ask that adjuster that you're dealing with where specifically in the policy it says that you have to remain in the country. If it does say that, unfortunately, you have to remain in the country for up to six months. In fact, I have a, a claim where uh, my, my client my client actually goes, uh, he goes to Moldova for six, six months of the year and then he comes back for six months of the year. He's also permanently disabled and that's just what he has to do to remain on policy. And unfortunately, if the contract says that, that's what you have to do. Hmm. And that's something that, uh, John, we, we keep coming across all the time, people who are concerned about certain things that they need to do. We see this with treatments quite often. You know, I got to go to the States for treatments. I got to go to Israel, to the Dead Sea. I got to go to Moldova, wherever right. it is. And, and, you know, you do have to look at what the requirements and restrictions are under your specific policy of insurance. And you can have a discussion with your adjuster, by the way. Uh, nothing against that, just to make sure that they're aware and maybe there is an exception that can be made. In some instances, I think that there is an argument. Um, Albert, you tell me what you think about this. But let's say that there is a geographical restriction that you cannot travel, as an example. Uh, but there is a certain treatment that could be helpful to you. Your doctors are saying you should do this. There is also a provision in the policy, in every LTD policy, that says that you must um, undergo and be part of reasonable uh, treatment, a reasonable treatment regimen. So to me, you know, there's a potential conflict there in the provisions of the policy. One says you can't be out of the country. The other one says you have to undergo reasonable treatments. And, and, you know, you may have a treatment that is out of this, you know, outside this country. So, again, I think in those situations, you should reach out to us and we can talk with you about what the options are. You know, how should you deal with your insurance company in that specific situation? And, uh, you know, deal with us that way because ultimately, whatever we tell you from a legal standpoint, to me, it's dwarfed by uh, your, your medical situation. Meaning that you should be looking first and foremost at getting better. And, and and to me that trumps the legalities of things. But but, you, you know, you want to thread that needle very carefully. You don't want to be in a situation where you're getting better uh, physically, psychologically, medically, but at the same time you're being cut off LTD unnecessarily, right? So so I mean that's going to create a tremendous amount of stress for you. So so again, contact us if you have that situation. But typically we see insurance companies take very hardline positions. Uh, and sometimes it's just arbitrary, right? Sometimes they're doing that just because the policy says so, but not looking at what is the reason why you had to travel. Well, even even on that note, I mean, sometimes one part of the policy will say one thing, and then it completely contradicts another part of the policy. And so even still, sometimes an adjuster will point to a part, part of a provision, but 
just like in your uh, example scenario, it doesn't make sense to limit that person to uh, remaining in Canada if they go- need to go and get treatment. And so it completely contradicts the treatment requirement. So, I mean, that's, that's, a, uh, that's a great point. And I mean, it's a beautiful thing when you can point to uh, the inconsistencies within the insurance company's own policy and kind of shove that in their face, right? I mean, usually they don't really have much of a response, which is great. So. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, that is the number. You have issues just like the ones we talk about on the show. You want to talk to uh, Savannah or Albert, or a member of the team? That's the number you call. Uh, don't don't sit there in the dark and think uh, you know there's no hope. There's no there's no possible way you can get out of this. You're mired in uh, in confusion. Make that phone call or send along an email. Help at disabilityrights.ca. I, I know Savannah. We got a bunch of emails to get through. But I don't know if you want to do it right now or you got more stuff to get through first. It's up to you, pal. Well, let's let's go to uh, to actually an email that I was just uh, sent recently. Excellent. Uh, it's a fairly long one. I'm not going to go through all of it, but I'll give you sort of the highlights. So this person writes, my mom passed your information along as I've been struggling with depression and denied disability. I originally went off work in February and my claim was denied. I forced myself to work in mid-March thinking I had no choice. That did not help my case. My psychologist signed me off until May 4th. Throughout May, starting on the 4th, I injured my back and finger, found out my dad is sick, lost pay from my denied claim, had my back injury denied, um, developed diverticulitis, uh, had my workers' compensation denied because my employer lied, had to go to the ER three times, lots of mental health issues. And John, I'm just going to to fast fast forward here. He says, my union is fighting my denials. Um... But I can't afford to do anything. I can't go anywhere. Um, he says, as I am being helped by a union, and this is the key thing here, as I am being helped by my union, I, I don't know if you'll be able to help me. Even if you could and would, I don't think I can afford it. I just thought at this point, I don't know what else to do and I have nothing to lose, so I thought I'd reach out. I just want to be able to focus on myself and I'll worry about all of this because it's not helping. And he signs off. So... Tragic, very, very tragic. Somebody who's in a very bad state. I mean, kudos to his mom for telling him to to reach out to me. Uh, I can tell you, John, there's a few issues here that we need to unpack. Number one, I want to start with this because this is something many people are concerned about. He says, I don't know if you can help me, but even if you could and would, I don't think I can afford it. I want people to understand, first of all, most of what we do, actually, doesn't cost anything because we answer people's questions. Right. We, we try to help you without having you hire us, okay? And I know it's counterintuitive. I know that lawyers typically don't act that way, but we're not typical lawyers, right? How many lawyers do you know that have these kinds of shows where they give, give this kind of information for free? Information that traditionally lawyers would charge thousands of dollars for. We do this on our website. We do this on our employment shows, right, with my partner, Lior Samfiro, and other lawyers at the firm. We do this throughout. Our system or our methodology is not to hog this information, is to give it out. Now, you may be in a situation at some point, just like this gentleman here, who does need our help, who's already been denied once, twice. The union clearly doesn't know what they're doing. And again, unions can be great for certain things, However, when it comes to fighting long-term disability denials, in my experience, they're horrible because that's not what they do. It's not their expertise. Okay, It's like asking me to build a house. 
if you want to if you want to see how quickly a house falls down when you build it up you ask me to build it same thing with a union right dealing with LTD is a specialty you need certain expertise in that just like when you're going to a family lawyer just like you're going to a tax lawyer you need somebody who knows what they're doing and this is the kind of stuff that we do each day now if we tell you we can help you and we and what I mean by that is that you need our help to fight the insurance company you're gonna pay nothing up front we only get paid at the end of the day only if we can actually force the insurance company to pay you we get a percentage essentially it's called contingency fees okay it's allowed we get a contingency fee uh, standard fee that many many other firms charge but you pay nothing up front and if we made a mistake in our assessment if we somehow you know we're incorrect well guess what you're not paying us a dime you're not paying us a cent okay yeah. very important to understand there is actually no risk when it comes to having to pay us anything because we only get paid if we're if we're correct in our analysis and so from that standpoint you have to understand as well that we'll tell you if we think that you can be successful in a claim or not so that's the that's the main thing I want to mention here for this individual that he doesn't need to stress about paying us anything okay number two the fact that he forced himself to go back to work and his situation only got worse we see this time and time again people who either force themselves to go back to work against medical advice or people who know that they cannot work their doctors tell them they cannot work but the insurance company is forcing them to work meaning they're pressuring them they're telling them you have to try to go back for one reason or another and, and you know that's a whole other topic John we've talked about many times before you have zero obligation to try to go back to work before you are ready and before your doctors say that you're ready again if you're in any of those kinds of if you encounter these kinds of situations you have questions you go to our website that John gives out here, or you give us a call, or you email us. We will give you your information, whatever information you need. And, and more than that, we'll talk to you about your specific situation. And again, it will cost nothing. Your calls anytime, as Savan mentions, one 821 5900 I want to have more of a confidential private conversation. That's the number to call. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Savan Tamarkin, of course, co-founding partner and alongside Albert Klein, partner of the firm Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP. And uh, I mentioned off the top, most positively reviewed disability law firm in Canada. That's pretty good. Disability, uh, DisabilityRights.ca is also the website. Find links to our television show as, uh, as, uh, as well. we got some more emails to get through, guys, and more time to do it. So we'll take a short break and get right back at it. Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back. Disability Law Show to uh, contact Savannah Tamarkin, co-founding partner, Sanfiru Tamarkin, LLP, or our co-host, Albert Klein, who's also a partner. You want to go to one 821 5900 disabilityrights.ca. Get the advice you need, the compensation you deserve. That's the key word, you deserve. Make that phone call and talk to the fellas or a member of their team as well. We'll continue on here as they've uh, helped tens of thousands of, uh, of Canadians in the past and continue to do so. So there you go. As mentioned, first email of the day, guys, Dina is up next is love the show guys my sister 
has been on long-term disability for over a year. She is 42 years old and has a lot of back and knee issues from the work she's done all her life at a car-making factory. She's been going to a rehab clinic that her insurance company sent her to, and now the physiotherapist that was treating her wrote a report that she should be better by now and should be able to go back to work. Her own family doctor disagrees but because of her physiotherapist's report the insurer has now told her that she must start a return to work program this fall or they'll end her benefits can they do that and what should she do i mean i i i always i always find it very funny when people say that you should be better by a certain amount of time should is not the is, is not the standard right not whether you should be better it's whether you are better and you know obviously i mean obviously i'm sure you see your sister and you can you're probably emailing us in because you know that your sister's not better and and that's really the standard it's a functionality test at the end of the day obviously her treating doctor that she's probably been seeing for years uh supports her and not not to not to knock any physiotherapist but if this were ever to go to court a judge is always going to value the opinion of her treating doctor much higher than her than some physiotherapist that might have seen her for a few weeks. So I really don't put too much stock into any of this. Really, uh, at the end of the day, what's going to what's going to be the driving force here is the fact that a functionally she can't return to work. I mean, it makes sense. She has a bunch of knee and back issues, and she works at a car making factory. I mean, of course, of course, that's going to be very very difficult with uh, long. Uh, uh, long-standing physical issues. And then two, the family doctor supports her. So what I would do is I would ask for the physiotherapist report, get your own doctor or get your own, your sister's own doctor to undermine that. Uh, get the return to work plan as well. Get that family doctor to undermine that and then give us a call. You, your, your sister absolutely should not be returning back to work if she can't. And it sounds like she can't. She has her doctor's support. Don't put too much stock into what the physiotherapist is saying. Van, anything to add here? Yeah, one more thing. I agree with everything you said. Um, actually, a couple of points. First point on, on what you said. We see this a lot with traumatic brain injuries. We see this a lot with soft tissue injuries from, let's say, a car accident. It, we see this a lot where insurance companies say, you ought to be better. You know, three months have passed, four months have passed, a year has passed. And, and what they're doing is they're using statistics right but statistics are often misleading because maybe maybe in most instances let's say after a certain injury that you experience maybe most individuals uh your age uh you know with your characteristics maybe 50% of them or 70% of them or 99% of them are all better but there is always the rest of those other individuals who are not Right? You're not going to find a statistic that says 100% of people react in a certain way to these kinds of treatments. It's just not going to happen. But insurance companies use that, and they use that uh, you know, in, a, in an aggressive way against you to say somehow you're lying, somehow you know, you're not trying hard enough, and so you feel inadequate. You feel like you're doing something wrong when you haven't done anything wrong. In fact, you've participated in this, these treatment programs. So, so, and by the way, insurance companies know this. They understand this. They're not stupid. These adjusters understand what they're doing. And, and frankly, when we get involved and we start the legal process and we have a defense lawyer on the other side, they know the game too. I say game because they know that their insurance client is playing a game with people's lives. So that's number one. Number two, uh, and this is key here because it was in the email from Dina. 
I mean, remember, she's been going to a rehab clinic, her sister, that her insurance company sent her to. Okay? I want to highlight that. She didn't go to that rehab clinic, a rehab clinic that was referred by her doctor. She's going to a rehab clinic that her insurance company sent her to. Think about this. Why is the insurance company telling you to go to this specific rehab clinic or to this specific doctor for treatments or to this specific physiotherapist or whatever? Why? What is in it for them? Why do they care? And again, it doesn't mean that the doctor that they want you to go to or the rehab clinic or the physiotherapist or the chiropractor doesn't mean that these people are not professional and they're not good. But to me, there is an immediate you know, red flag when I see an insurance company saying, you must go to this clinic or you should go to this person. Well, why? Are you expecting this person ultimately to pre- prepare a report that, that favors the insurance company? Because that's what's happened here with this lady, with Dina's sister. And I see this time and time again. When people go for treatment to clinics or to doctors or treatment providers that the insurance company sends them to, and maybe those individuals are good, but in many instances, after a few weeks, after a few months of treatment, even though the treatments may be working, the health practitioner uh, provides some kind of notes or a report or a letter to the insurance company that doesn't jive with reality, you know, for the individual. So, you know, what's the alternative here? Well, the alternative is for you to get a referral from your own doctor, your own family doctor, your own specialist. Maybe you know a clinic that you've been going to, or your friends have been going to, they're very good, and tell the insurance company, you know what, I'd rather get treatments from that clinic. I'd rather get treatments from that doctor. Nothing in the insurance policy will dictate where you go for treatments. All that the insurance company says is that you have to undergo and be part of a reasonable treatment regimen. Yeah, you can't not get treatments. That is a breach of the policy, but you you can choose where to get those treatments from. They won't say, there's a chance so if you do that under your own treatment provider, they might still threaten to cut you off, right? Oh, 100%. 100%. But but my point is, my point is, you're not going to face these kinds of issues, I think, on a regular basis, where this person that you were sent to, that the insurance company told you to go to, you know, that they're going to crank out the report, just like this physiotherapist, that doesn't Mm -hmm. actually make any sense, right? That contradicts, you know, your, your actual health situation. We are still taking emails, and you can still make a phone call uh, even uh, during the show, outside the show. That's cool. You can do that, one 821 And uh, Savannah Tumarkin, of course, co-founding partner, and partner Albert Klein, ready to answer you anytime and help you out. Samfiru Tumarkin, LLP, that is the firm, disabilityrights.ca. We'll take you to the website. We'll continue with more of your emails and questions on the Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back. Disability Law Show to contact Savannah Tamarkin, co-founding partner, or Albert Klein, partner, Sam Firu, Tamarkin, LLP. You know how to do it by now. 1-855-821-5900. Help at disabilityrights.ca. You can also go to the website to get the advice you need, the compensation you deserve. Spread that word. Spread that phone call, that number, and the email, and let anybody who might be, uh, you know, in fear of losing their compensation as far as what the insurance company is providing. They're going to be cut off. They've been asked to appeal. Spread the word out. Get them to call Savannah or Albert, member of their team, and, uh, you know, get the right information. We'll get to another email, guys. Here, still got some time. Navi Wright says, says uh, guys, my best friend is 35, 
and suffers from severe depression and anxiety because of multiple deaths in his family. And back home in India because of COVID-19, he applied for long-term disability through his work benefits, but he was denied because they say there was not enough medical information provided, even though he has a psychologist that wrote to them saying that he can't work. His union tried to help him and appealed this denial, but uh, just last week he was denied again. The union now says that he should go to a lawyer for help, so I decided to reach out to you. Can you help him? We don't know what to do, and he's getting worse by the day. Well, Navi, first of all, thank you for reaching out for your best friend. Uh, you really are a true friend. I mean, th this is what people need to do, right? If you see somebody in distress or having difficulty with their insurance company, if they won't reach out to us, you reach out to us on their behalf with their consent, obviously. But this is important. So there's a few things here, obviously, again, to unpack. I mean, clearly this person, Navi's best friend, suffers from these issues. The psychologist is confirming this, the treating psychologist. You're talking about deaths in the family, you know, because of COVID. It's just, it's a horrible, horrible situation. And, and he's being denied for a common, I won't even call it a reason. It's an excuse that insurance companies use a lot. Albert sees this, I see this, other people at our, you know, firm see this. This idea that you don't have enough medical information or enough support, you know, to to justify your claim for disability, you know, when your own doctors, psychologists, other people who are treating you are telling the insurance company in detail what is ailing you and why you can't work, for the insurance company to turn around and say that's not enough, that's nonsense. And I say that's nonsense is because it's funny how when we get involved. And oftentimes we don't even get more documentation. We simply rely on what's already been provided. The insurance company changes their tune because suddenly we're involved. We're in the picture and they understand that it's not going to fly with us. So you see, insurance companies will many times tell you, oh, there's just not enough medical documentation. There's not enough medical support to justify you being on disability. We're denying your claim. Don't take that at, at, at face value here. The other point here is with his union. Now, Listen, on the one hand, the union tried to help him. They went through an appeal process, etc. So they tried to do the right thing, but they wasted time. They wasted valuable time. And this is what people need to understand with these appeals. These appeals are a waste of time. When somebody gets denied long-term disability, every denial like that, every letter or email will have at the bottom one or two paragraphs that say, here's how you appeal this decision. And you think, and your union may think, or your doctor, other people, that this is some kind of a formal official way of somehow getting, you know, a second kick at the can. It's not. It's not. The insurance company doesn't care. And now that the union's appeal failed, now they're telling him to go to a lawyer. Well, at least they did that. Yes, we can absolutely help, Navi, uh, you know, y y y your best friend. Uh, we would want to see a copy of the denial letters, probably the second one too, after he was denied the appeal. We'd want to see the medical documentation, anything he gave to the insurance company. Chances are we can resolve this fairly quickly with the insurance company. By the way, something else I should say, John, all of these insurance companies throughout the country know our firm very, very well. And it's interesting how in some instances, a single letter from us can resolve a dispute. Albert has had this, I can tell you that. And that's interesting because people say, well, how is it that once you got involved, a single letter or you being on the file for only a few weeks, suddenly we got this, you know, resolved. Well, it's because they have history with us. They understand, they know our lawyers. Some of our lawyers have worked in the, at those insurance companies. Some of our lawyers have actually done this work for insurance companies. So they know us. 
they understand that we know how to play this game with them and they know that they're going to lose so instead of losing down the road and paying their lawyers a lot of money to lose the game they'd rather come to the table negotiating uh, you know and negotiate a settlement now uh, so this is what you need to understand so Navi please put your friend in touch with us we will help Albert what do you think uh, absolutely I mean it's it's unfortunate, and this is really what these insurance companies are banking on. They want you to appeal. They want any excuse to delay the claim and delay paying you, right? Because they get to invest that money. They get to use that money however however they want. And the longer that you are without money, the more likely it is that you're going to feel forced to go back to work. And that's ultimately what they want. In fact, I actually spoke with someone yesterday who's very similar situation to your friend, Navi, and tried to get his union to help him. The union was no help. Uh, and not to say that unions aren't helpful, but no one should be appealing. And in, in, in this particular instance, with the gentleman I spoke with yesterday, unfortunately he didn't get the right documented support. Too much time elapsed, and he told me, I wish I wish I spoke with you a few months earlier. Now I have to return back to work. And, 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 and it's unfortunate, right? So he's not gonna pursue his case whatsoever. He actually would have had a pretty good case had he got the right documented support, and had he not wasted time appealing. So, I mean, really this should be a PSA to everyone. Everyone can learn from this gentleman I spoke with yesterday. Definitely your friend. I mean, I'm sure uh, I'm sure he would have rather engaged in the process and not appealed and not wasted that time. People should not be appealing. It's, it's plain and simple. It's an insurance game that that they and tactic that they just use to delay. Do not appeal. You know, Savannah, I know we got to go in about a minute, but I, I bet you a lot of people, or the vast majority of people, see that appeal at the bottom. They probably feel like they have to do it because it sounds very official, and thereby, to 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 the point you guys have made, have wasted even more time, almost by osmosis. They're just, oh, it says appeal. I better appeal, and here we are. You're going to put yourself back months again. Never mind the opportunity to appeal. A lot of people would say I have to. Absolutely, John. Absolutely. And I get contacted from people who have either tuned in for the first time mm -hmm. uh, or have been told by someone about the show and they contact me and they say, you know, 10 years ago I had a claim. I appealed twice. I was denied. I figured there's nothing I can do. Uh, is there anything I can do now? And I tell them, no, no, unfortunately, no. The, this, this appeal process is not a legal process. In other words, you're not engaging the legal system. You're simply playing within the insurance company's sandbox, right? They're treating you like a child. They're treating your doctors like children. They're not doing anything for you. Their job or the adjuster's job is to save the insurance company money. That's how they make these billions of dollars, you know, that they can give their shareholders and their CFO and whoever else. That's how they do it. They don't pay out these claims. You have to force your rights on them. And remember, you're not asking for charity. When they come to the table, John, and they write a check to my client for half a million dollars, it's not because they're feeling charitable. It's because they know they have no choice. And that's the position of strength you want to be in. And that's what we help you do. You want to reach out to Savan Tamarkin, co-founding partner of Sanfiru Tamarkin, LLP, or Albert Klein, partner in the firm as well. They've got a full staff as well behind them. 1-855-821-5900. That's the number. Toll free. Anytime. Help at disabilityrights.ca. That's the email we've used. This past show and every show. And then finally, mydisabilityquestions.com. A free forum for you. Absolutely anonymous as well to ask your disability questions and get them answered quickly and fully as well. We'll catch you next time. This is a Disability Law Show on 
Armstrong Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.